Well, amen. It's good to be able to be here with you this morning. I have the privilege of bringing you not just the announcements, but the message today. And uh, it's just an honor for uh, me and my wife, of course, to be a part of this church and to be able to share um, a word from our God. And, and if you are tuning in and you have your Bible with you in front of you, maybe you have the app uh, an app open, or maybe you just have uh, the website open with service on and you're in the notes, uh, you want to go to 2 Kings 5. And we're going to just jump right in already. So if you, if you got your Bibles, go ahead, look for 2 Kings 5, and that's where we're going to start off at verse 15. All right, so let's follow along as I read and, uh, 2 Kings 5, 15 through 16. Then he returned to the man of God and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none and urged him to take it. But he, Elijah, refused. Well, let us pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for today that, that you are a God that meets us exactly where we're at. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would reveal things. May you break down walls, may you restore relationships, may you bring clarity, maybe, to some, maybe to all. <laughs> that we would grow closer to you, that we would understand who you are and what your heart's about, that we'd fall in love with you, God, this morning. And uh, we just um, are ready and able. We're leaning in to hear your word. We pray that in your name. Amen. Well, today I have a story that has a few characters. It has uh, a commander of an army. It has a prophet of God. It has a servant, right, to that prophet. It has a girl who is taken captive that brings light and, and shares, there's a God in Israel for you. There's two nations with kings who trade a letter. Well, there's many things that are going on in this. And, and as we go through 2 Kings 5, I want you to know, whether you feel far, far away from God or you feel very near to Him, right? Whether you are someone who is in a funk or maybe you're someone super on fire for Jesus, all people, all people, things, situations, and feelings, God sees you. All right. Our God alone is the one who rules and reigns over all things. Our God alone is the one who sets the table. Our God alone has made the earth. He's given life. It's our God alone. And so this morning we're going to talk about... Um, through 2 Kings uh, 5, through these people and through this story, that our God alone is doing things, right? That it's not about what we received. It's not about who um, made, uh, what a prophet was able to do or all these things that we might talk about. Over all of it, it was our God alone. It wasn't by luck that there was a healing. It wasn't by chance, right, that someone was healed. 
but it was our God alone, His power, His will, His rule and reign over all things on the earth and under the earth and of the sky. And so let's jump into um, our, our title of this message is Our God Alone, if you haven't caught on yet. And the first point is going to be, Our God Alone is the God of all. Our God alone is the God of all. 2 Kings 5, 6-8. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. All right, This is a letter from the king of Syria. And he wrote a letter to the king of Israel. Bring the letter to me. And this letter read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill or to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent it to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me now, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, how is this, right? When you read that, how is this not God moving? This is one enemy, the, okay, of, of a country. This is Syria, the enemy of Israel, his king requesting, I'm going to send you my servant, the commander of my army, to your nation to be healed by your God. And so that's why the king of Israel is just like, is he trying to pick a fight with me right now? And I got to say, this has to be God. It has to be God that while these two nations are fighting, right, Syria is, is running raids through Israel and taking people captured. And this is actually how Naaman finds out about the God who would heal him. That he, he raided a, a town. This little girl got taken as a servant by Naaman. And she shares that there's a God that could heal you of your leprosy. All of this is happening. How not by God that this happens? Right? Only our God would take this crazy situation and make it possible for this man to step into enemy lines, across enemy lines, into enemy territory, and safely make it to a prophet of God. Only our God would do that. Which leads me to say, it's like, um, I, I started trying to figure out, like, is there competing companies that are really under one company. You ever thought about that? There's competing companies. They have the same product line, but they're different brands, yet only one person owns them. Let me read you some of them. Uh, of course, we know that Facebook now owns Instagram. They're competing platforms on social media, right? Facebook. What does Facebook have? It has people posting things, their thoughts, and images, and videos. And what does Instagram have? People posting thoughts, and images, and videos, right? How about this? Hyundai, a Korean car company, owns 51% of another Korean company called Kia. You would think, oh, which one should I buy? For Hyundai, it doesn't matter. We're not going to make money either way, right? These are a little crazier. Budweiser, right? 
pr um, promoting always the Super Bowl or UFC fights, Budweiser has at least eight competing companies under them selling beers and uh, alcoholic seltzers. Eight. That's great. They're like, ah, whatever, you can buy whatever you want, right? They're all competing. The biggest one I could find, uh, clothing, detergent, and softener. The name brands Gain, Tide, Downy, Bounce, Cheer, okay? Diaper companies Love and Pampers are owned by the same people. Um, brands like Head & Shoulders, Pantene, Herbal Essence, Dawn, Cascade Soap, Febreze, Swifter, Mr. Clean, and more all are owned by the same company, and that's Procter & Gamble. And I all, all I say for all of that, right, all the <laughs> companies that I spotted off that have one owner, the same thing said for us as mankind. Our God alone is the creator of all. He is the one and only. He's the God that created the air, land, and sea. Whether you are a believer or a non-believer in this world, whether you are from two separate nations like Syria and Israel, the God of Israel is the same God that created all. So our God alone is the God of all things. He is the God that allowed Syria to have victory over Israel at times. He's the God who allowed that girl to speak and share to the commander about a man named Elisha that could heal you. God the Father is moving and making a way. And sometimes we think our God is, the, is our God, right? Our God is the only God of the saved. Only the saved know that that's their God. And that may be true, right? Like in Psalms 95.7, He is ours in and we are His. He is our God. But whether we like it or not, our God rules and reigns over all people. And I say that to realize that this is why He can make a way. This is how He can get, even in the middle of quarreling nations, allow the commander of one nation to go across enemy lines to be healed by a prophet. Because He rules and reigns over all. The same way in our, all our chaotic, um, chaotic lives, we all live separate lives, somehow God made a way for Jesus to be in our ear. Somehow He made a way for myself to get on a bus and get camp paid for and go jump around with my friends and accept Jesus. I went from basically knowing nothing to being fully in love with Him. This is our God. He makes what seems impossible, possible. He makes the things that feel mundane or common, the things we might overlook, incredible. When we feel like it's just another day, right? When it's like, oh, it's just another day in Hawaii. God will give us a reason to be in awe of today, right? When we think we know it all and we've seen it all and it's commonplace, 
God shows up and shows out. Which leads us to our second point, which is our God alone makes the common extraordinary. Our God alone makes the common extraordinary. Let's read on in Second uh, Kings 5, 19 through 14, where it says, So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana or Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servant came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let's be honest, how many of us God thought that God would do something one way, and he did it another way, right? We were so focused on how God did this one thing one time that we tried to repeat it every single time only to find out he was going to do something else. See, Naaman um, feels that, that Elisha should put on a show. And I only can assume that um, Naaman in his country in Assyria um, and with false prophets and false gods, um, they would put a big show on and flashy things would happen and and maybe someone's healed or we, we don't really know, but um, he's expecting what he's experienced. He's expecting that the man of God is going to come out there and wave his hands around, right? Like it's some kind of magic and be healed. And when he finds out that it's something as common as taking a bath, it enrages him. He's like, are you serious? I'm the commander of an army of a nation. I can only assume he thinks bathe. I, I can bathe. I can bathe in the waters of my own nation. What's so special about the waters in this nation? This common act that Elisha is telling him to do annoys him to the point where he needs to be talked to by a servant and brought to his senses. Like, like, sir, he's, he's just asking you to take a bath. You simply, all you need to go do is go in the water. You're here to get healed. You came from your nation into enemy territory and all you have to do is take a bath. Are you not going to do it? Right? So common, so easy, so, so mundane. But in his obedience, he does it. Here's another common thing that, uh, that might be overlooked, but really God did something amazing. In the Gospel of John, 
Jesus returns from the grave, right? And he's, he's meeting up with certain people as he's coming out. And he gets to the shoreline and he sees his disciples in a boat and they're fishing. And they're having a hard time catching something. And he yells from shore, cast your lines on the other side. How frustrating would that be to hear? It's like, cast it on the other side of the boat. It's the same water. It's the same water. If I put my nets on this side, it's the same on this side. And as a fisherman that's been doing it their whole lives, even more so, they're knowledgeable. They know how to catch fish. They're probably frustrated that they've been out here and they can't catch anything. They're hungry. They want to eat. They're tired. And they're hearing something as simple as, hey, just go on the other side. But what awaited them was something to eat, something that would fill their belly, something that would refresh them, something that would fill them. See, we might think water is water. Naaman thinks the river here in Israel is the same water that's in other rivers in Israel, right? Or this is the same water that's in our, my own country of Syria. It's a, water is water. The disciples in the boat. This side of the boat is the same water on that side of the boat. What's the difference? Let me put it to you this way. We can swim at the beach and we can be baptized at the beach. Same water but drastically different. And the difference is our God alone. Our God alone can take the same water and make it extraordinary. Our God alone can take the things that you're going through extraordinary. All right? So when we feel like, uh, I got to read my Bible again, always tell me read my Bible when you tell me oh man go to church online or in person did that already when it's pressed upon your heart or you hear a a pastor or a friend go hey how's your prayer life and you go ah whatever I'm doing it I'm lazy but whatever I'm praying why because you think it's common, I've been, I hear it already, I heard it. It's just another church service, right? It's just the same old Bible. I can tell you this much, every time I read Genesis, I'm left in awe. And it's not because it's a great writing, which it is, but because God does things that's incredible in Genesis. Unexplainable things. The very book begins with all of creation. Can you think about that? Your mind should be blown every time you think about that. In book one, in the beginning, all of creation is being made. Your mind should be racing. Your heart should be racing, thinking about what God is doing just in that. But all of us know Genesis. We all know Genesis, right? Like we we heard about Genesis and Adam and Eve and Abraham. We, We heard about these people. But extraordinary is happening in that book. 
How many of us thought it was just going to be another church service? Only to have our hearts broken open, restored, our eyes bawling because we met Jesus that morning. How many of us thought, oh, I'm just going to listen to um, Elevation Worship, or I'm just going to listen to Hillsong United, or I'm going to listen to Bethel, and thought, oh, that album's cool, and that one song you didn't hear before, but all of a sudden it's rocking you. Yes, those guys are talented, but that's common. That's co- talented people making good music, right? Wow, what a concept. But when God, when Jesus steps in, when the Holy Spirit hits your heart, it is totally different. What we might take as the same old, same old, right? When Naaman's going, what, what, this river? Why not that one or that one? Why is he not out here waving his hands like I usually know? When we're going, God, where are you? What are you doing? How come? Why? Huh? Another day I got to go to church? Another day I got to tune in? He's saying, you just wait. You just wait. You might think it's common. You think it's mundane. You think it's just another, just another. Really, I'm waiting to do something amazing and extraordinary. Why? Because our God alone takes the common and makes it extraordinary. Last point, all right, is our God alone be the glory. Our God alone be the glory. 2 Kings 5, 15 through 19, it says, Then he returned to the man of God and he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth. Right? This is the one we read at the beginning. I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. He is not taking any gifts. And so he urged him to take it. But Elisha said, I'm not taking it. He refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offerings of sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow before, um, bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And Elisha says, You can go in peace. Now, of course, Elisha could have took the gifts from Naaman, right? He could have took the gifts. He could have took all the money, the silver, the clothes, the things that he brought with him and use it for God. Take it and build, a, add to the temple or, or to make an offering or whatever, whatever he could do. Feed people, right? He could have used it for the ministry. But he felt, God was saying, I've already done what I wanted to do. When we look at what Pastor John spoke about last week, one person being saved, one person's life altered 
in the name of Jesus forever and ever. Elisha in this moment realized that it wasn't going to be about a prophet that saved the man. It wasn't going to be about man. It was going to be about who empowered the man to be healed. Not the what, not about who gets credit, right? And Elisha, being a prophet, he probably felt, man, if I take this, if I take the gifts and take it, I get the credit. So I refuse the gift so that the credit goes to God, right? That all glory be Him. All the glory would be God's. Not man, not what I do, right? Even as I stand before you, it's not me. I hope it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me that is reaching you, that is changing your heart, that's convicting you, maybe inspiring you, motivating you to get to know who Jesus is more and more every day. That God is the one who deserves all the credit. Yet, this is where um, Elisha's servant comes into play. Elisha's servant had a different thought. Um, and we'll read about Gehazi moving forward in 2 Kings 5, 20. Uh, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, says, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, and not accepting from him, his hand what he brought as the lord lives i will run after him and get something from him right so he thinks oh man what we said no wait no no no, no. let me go get let me go get something so gehazi followed naaman and naaman saw someone running after him he got down from the chariot and met him and said is all well and he said all is well my master has sent me to say, there, ha um, there has just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give to them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. We fast forward into verse 25, where it says, He went and stood before his master, Gehazi, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. Okay, that's a lie, straight up, lying to a prophet. That's crazy. But he said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servant and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence as a leper like snow man after all that you might be thinking what is wrong with Gazi? what's going wrong what's what that he royally messed up there not only did he lie to his master not only did he uh, take money that was already rejected he was trying to get credit from what God has done. But let me ask you this. How many of us have Gehazi-like moments? How many of us? To be honest, I, I would say many of us 
not maybe as blatant as him, but let me put it this way. God did a mighty work and we figured, how do I capitalize, capitalize on what God has done in this moment? Right? Not be, go in peace. Not celebrate with them. But how do I get something out of what God has done in someone else's life? Now we have the benefit of being on this side of the cross, right? Like this is before Jesus comes on the scene. This is before Jesus goes to the cross. And this is before the teachings of Paul the Apostle, right? And so we have the benefit of gleaning wisdom from those people. And, and we get the benefit of having forgiveness through Jesus Christ and grace extended to us beyond anyone uh, might have known before this in the Old Testament. But the thing that Gehazi missed was that Naaman's heart was altered and changed forever. That was the payment. Salvation for that one man who was an honorable man, it is written at the beginning of 2 Kings 5. This honorable man's life was not only physically cleaned, it was restored. And I love the word that was used in the scripture. He was restored completely. Spiritually, he now no longer wants to worship any other God but the God of Israel. Our God alone, he wants to worship. No other God. But Gehazi needed something. He felt he was old. Everyone here, we put our time in, right? Pastor John last week talked about the older son, how he felt he was old something. I've been here the whole time. I've been working your fields. I've been keeping your sheep. I've been keeping your household. I didn't run off and do nothing. I didn't blow your money. I didn't want you dead. Gehazi missed it. You already know the God of all. You already belong to him. This now man who did not know he, him, as we, would have, as we learned last week, was dead, is now alive. So in closing, uh, I, I just want to throw this little piece out there. Like, what if we gave Gehazi the benefit of the doubt, right? He had good intentions for what he was going to do with the money. All right, let's say his heart was kind of in the right place, right? He just, he, he just startled and like, oh, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't go, right? He, he lied, but maybe, let's just give him the benefit. He, his heart was kind of in the right place. Can I tell you this much? Even if he had good intentions, even if he had the best intentions, it still wouldn't equal God's will, plan, and desire for what's going to happen with Naaman. Meaning, our best intentions is still not God's best for everyone. Our best intentions to do things is still not the best for what each of us wants or what God wants from each of us. Pastor Wayne talked about how uh, there's 5%, 10%, and 85%. 5%, only you can do. 10%, someone with skill could do. 
And 85% anyone could do in the world. And so uh, this week got really busy, really fast. And Thursday came and I was feeling it. I was totally feeling, um, to be honest, like, I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. I don't know how we're, I'm going to make these events I've been invited to. I'm not sure I'm gonna, how I'm going to help my mom uh, move this weekend. I'm not sure how I get the service done and the message. And I wasn't sure. And so I started stressing out and going crazy. And I'm standing at her storage locker and I'm getting annoyed. And really it felt like God spoke to me saying, Hey, what is your 5%? What is your 5%? Is going to a birthday party your 5%? Or being there for your mom your 5%? Now your 5% is only you can build your relationship with Jesus Christ. Only you can really build the relationship, the healthy, the love, the connection with Jesus Christ in you. Only you can do that. Only you can be the husband and, and the uh, wife of your spouse. No one else. Only you can be the father and mother right, to your children. Only you can be the child, the son and daughter to your mom and dad. Only you. When that started realizing, then my good intentions of trying to be there for every little thing fell away because God's best for what needs to get done started to be clear. A lot of people are going to go to this party and that party. A lot of people are going to be there. And sure, it might be a little sad that um, we don't make it. But it's going to be really devastating to the 5%, what God wants, God's desire, God's heart, right, for my life. If I'm not there for my 5%. So and at the end of this, uh, all I really want to do is to inspire you and challenge you to think, man, our God alone really loves you. He sees you. He knows exactly what you're going through. That when you think he's far away, he's really near. That when you think that your day is just another day, Another day of work, another day of this, and a, uh, another church service, another word. May you anticipate, may you look for the extraordinary God. That our God alone is the one that rules over anything. And so because he rules over all, there is hope in that. And, that, and Jesus himself shows you that. Our God Jesus is our hope. That it's just not another day. And that when we step out and we get to do something in the name of Jesus, it is not about us and our good intentions, but it's about God's heart to save the lost. That it's God's heart to restore families and bring reconciliation. It's, it's God's heart that matters most. It's lives changed. That the dead are now living. Our God alone. No other God is like our God, for He stands alone. He created all things, He rules all things, and He loves us right where we're at. 
Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your heart, your desire, and, and for everything that you've given to us. May we learn um, from this story in 2 Kings 5. May we learn from Naaman and Elisha and Gehazi. We love you, and we pray that in your name. Amen. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today, and I hope that God spoke to you. Uh, I hope that you feel motivated and inspired to know the God of all, um, that our God alone loves you, and that I hope this week is blessed by you having moments where you encounter our God. And uh, tune in next week as Pastor John will bring us an amazing word, of course, as I, um, I believe we're restarting our First Peter series, Stand Firm, and um, look for our small group, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. All right, see ya.